Hi, I'm Andrew Douglas, founder and creator of Piper's Dojo and Dojo University. And in today's episode of Piper's Dojo TV, we continue with our epic live Facebook Q&A that we had on March 9th. We hope you enjoy. Let's go with Jennifer's question. She posted four hours ago. Uh, let's see. I haven't even read it yet, so I hope she's not making fun of me or anything. My high A is consistently too flat. Every read I get is the same. The rest of the scale will sound great, but the high A, though, uh, except for the high A, but it will sharpen a bit as you play. Um, it's just going to be, it's just kind of consistently flat. I have one read sounding good after slicing a hair off the top, blah, 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 etc., etc. For now, I've sunk in the I've sunk the read a lot and taped the rest of my chanter. Um, okay, so this is a good question. And listen, it's very common to have a flat high A during the winter. Okay, and you have to um, follow me a little bit here. But what happens is if a reed is really dry, which is very common during the winter, especially in our part of the world. And Jennifer, you're even further north than me. Things get very very dry. And, uh, you know, the dryness of the reed causes the, you know, bottom hand notes and, and definitely the high G as well to be quite sharp. And then in order to mitigate that sharpness problem, we end up raising the reed. But of course, when we raise the reed, the high hand gets affected quite a bit more. You know, like it's, um, it, we call it the graduated tuning effect here um, at the dojo. And so anyway, blah, 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 push comes to shove. High A's are typically quite flat in the wintertime, especially. So before you jump to any radical conclusions, uh, definitely take that into consideration. And what happens, Jen, um, is not so much that the high A will sharpen up over time. It's that the other notes, as moisture gradually works its way into the system, other notes actually become flatter. So the whole chanter gets brought into balance a little bit better with moisture. Okay, so you should know that's a very common problem. And um, you should know that, um, you know, sometimes just a little patience will go a long way. And it looks like you're kind of already there um, a little bit. Um, so, and then as far as what to do with it, um, it's the same as I uh, talked to John about earlier. Uh, there's a variety of different things. You can tape all the other notes. Uh, if it's constant with every single read that you play and you're sure that it doesn't have anything to do, uh, you know, with just dryness and moisture not being in there, right, then you can explore the concept of <coughs> drilling out that note. Just remember, anything you drill, you can't put that back on. That's the danger of drilling. And the beauty of tape is you can move that all the time. And the worst case scenario is you get a little sticky residue there. And that's about it. So um, food, food for thought there for sure. Okay, and uh, it's one of those questions that there's no like answer to, but that's all the logic that goes in behind it. Uh, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to scroll down through more Facebook questions. Actually, I have a Twitter question from Riley. How about I go to that next? Um, how long should your blowpipe be and what size bag should I play? You're about five foot nine. So the answer to that question is, here's my number one answer. Here's, here's my best answer, which is 
there's never going to be a specific length that you can prescribe to somebody who plays the bagpipes. There are just too many different possible uh, postures and comforts and body shapes and so on and so forth, right? There's so many variables. So here's what I would recommend that you do uh, is try other people's bagpipes. Um, if you're a germaphobe, which I'm not, but uh, I know people that are, you know, uh, go, get some of those alcohol, you know, disinfectant swabs that the doctors use, grab a handful of those, head over to band practice, and then ask people, you know, if you mind if you try their instrument to see how it feels. And then you'll find an instrument that feels really good. And that's how I generally like to figure out what size pipe bag I need, what length blow stick I need, so on and so forth. Also, like what sort of tie-in, uh, for those who play hide bags, what sort of um, tie-in job that you need, like what arrangement of the stocks. So, uh, Riley, I don't know if you're still there, but hopefully that uh, answers your question. Don't try and go for a specific length. Go for trying other instruments and find something that you feel really good with, and that's the general answer to the question. Keep in mind, the longer the blow stick, the lower... You guys can't really see, but the lower your hands will be positioned. Because if you think about the blow stick, right, the longer that is, the, the further down things are going to be uh, forced. So, um, so you want to make sure you don't accidentally end up with your hands too low, which can have negative effect on your playing. So um, that's food for thought there. <clears throat> okay, Riley, thank you very much. You're our only Twitter uh, questioner there. She used the hashtag... Piper's Dojo TV, which is awesome. Thank you very much for doing that. Let's see what else we have. Oh, here you go, Ashlyn. I found your question. You may have already asked me back. So, Ashlyn said, "Not ha oh, this is an amazing question. Thank you very much for sending this in. So, not having performed before, and you're about to get your set of pipes, so you're a beginner, which is awesome. What are some tips to overcome nervousness, anxiety, nervousness and anxiety while playing on a street corner or family reunion?" Okay, so nervousness and anxiety is a very, very real thing. And um, I actually, we just released uh, what we call the Nerve Buster game here, which is an exact system for, uh, an exact system for getting over nerves. Um, and it's a game that has two rules, and I'll explain it really quickly to you, but then I would also refer you to, um, you know, well, at this point, you'd send me an email I can, or, or Facebook me, and I'll send you the link to it. Uh, but it's a free download that goes into exactly what you need to do. But here's the bottom line. Nervousness is going to be there until you have complete confidence in what you're doing. Okay? So um, how do you achieve complete confidence? Okay? And there's a variety of things. Obviously, you want to get better at playing, and you want to keep working at it. But the bottom line is you have to get experience, and you have to get a lot of it. Um, because no amount of practice time without that real-world element of pressure, um, no amount of practice time is going to help you get rid of those nerves. That's the key thing, right? So, um, Ashlyn, right, the, you know, how can we gain experience without actually performing? Um, and there's a really awesome method. It's called recording yourself. So what you, you want to do, and you can start today with your iPhone or smartphone, uh, and you can just press the record button. And then moving forward, you want to get a recorder that is designed to create high-quality recordings. And you can generally find a really good recorder for under 100 bucks on Amazon that will really work well for you. Um, and what you want to do is you want to start to record yourself on a regular basis because recording 
uh, can help you simulate the reality of playing in real life. Now, here's the kicker. The Nerve Buster game adds stuff into the mix to help us make that simulation as real as possible. So here are the two rules about recording that you have to make yourself follow. Rule number one is you're only allowed one try when you record yourself. So what you do is you get warmed up, you get everything going, uh, you get warmed up, and then you walk over to your recorder, you press record, and then you play. And no matter what happens, that is your recording. You're not allowed a second take. You're not allowed to start over. That's it. That's the only thing. Because guess what? That simulates real life. That's part of what makes performing so nerve-wracking, what makes the adrenaline spike so extremely, you know, so extremely high. Okay, and it makes us, it's, it's kind of what gives us the butterflies and kind of makes us want to throw up a little bit because we only get one shot. There are no redos. So that's rule number one of the Nerf Buster game. Rule number two of the Nerf Buster game is that you take that recording and you send it to five bagpipers that, you're, that are better than you. Which the good news is, as a beginner, you probably uh, know several bagpipers that are better than you. And if you don't, just let us know. We can connect you with people who will be really happy to support you, actually. But that's rule number two, is you take that recording, you upload it to SoundCloud or Dropbox, somewhere where it's easy to send files back and forth, and you send that file out to people that you are better than. Okay, And you have to do that. You don't give yourself the option to chicken out. right? Now, if you can follow those two rules when you record yourself, okay, if you did, if you did that even once a week for the next couple of weeks, okay, let's say the next four weeks, if you did that four times, that's going to make you that's going to give you four high-pressure situations before your real-world performance, right, Ashlyn? So that is, um, that is exactly how um, you should get over nerves. That's exactly how I do it. Um, it's exactly how I do it, and I've done it for years. At first, I did it without realizing. I turned on the recorder, and then you know I would send recordings to my teachers or um, back and forth to my peers, right? Like Eric Olette and I, when we were both doing solos quite a bit, we would send recordings back and forth. Once you turn that recorder on, you feel the pressure and things are intense and that's the name of the game. So, um, <clears throat> that's an amazing question and it's all about simulating that experience for yourself. Here's a question from Norman Barker. <clears throat> His question is, with all the tutoring, this is another sort of dojo related question, with all of the tutoring, I lost my spot, with all the tutoring you get from Piper's Dojo, is it still necessary to have a one-on-one -on -one tutor as well? So <clears throat> here's my opinion on this, uh, is that one-on-one -on -one lessons, in my opinion, which is, you know, <clears throat> going to differ from other people without a doubt, but my opinion is that one-on-one -on -one lessons are completely overrated unless <clears throat> you are absolutely as prepared as possible. Right? So here's the problem that I have with one-on-one -on -one lessons is what will happen is you'll get into a weekly rhythm and some weeks people will have time to practice and other weeks people won't. Um, sometimes they just kind of, you know, especially younger students will tend to kind of blow things off altogether, which can be really frustrating and it ends up being uh, a, wa a humongous waste of money when you end up having regular lessons but you're not absolutely prepared. So the answer to that question sort of a, uh, you know, a little bit 
of a thin margin. If you're the type of person that can be absolutely uh, prepared for a lesson, then one-on-one -on -one lessons are absolutely worth it, right? The one-on-one -on -one lesson is the point where you say, I've, you know, I've worked on everything I could possibly find on this topic. Here's what I've come up with. What am I missing? That's when a one-on-one -on -one lesson is really valuable. <clears throat> what we do at Dojo University, which is what no one-on-one -on -one lesson can ever do, is we offer the, uh, you know, we offer the ability for a person for a very low price, you know, a premium monthly membership is less than one one-on-one -on -one lesson. And we get the people the opportunity to immerse themselves in, you know, bagpipe music and bagpipe concepts every single solitary day. Uh, you know, whether it be for a half hour or people can watch a couple classes for more than that or they can, you know, check out a course and really dig in deep. But it offers that sort of immersion, which I think, my opinion is, that's much, much more important, uh, you know, than one-on-one -on -one lessons. But with all that said, right, um, I became a really good piper largely due to the benefits I reaped from one-on-one -on -one lessons with great pipers. And my parents spared no expense, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, so <clears throat> I don't want to say one-on-one -on -one lessons are bad. I do want to say uh, <clears throat> I think immersion as much immersion in bagpipe stuff, okay, that should be any beginner or intermediate's number one priority. One-on-one <clears throat> -on -one lessons only become a priority for, um, for taking what you have developed on your own to the next level. And that's how I feel about it. I think the world in general is heading in that direction a little bit, um, <clears throat> not just online learning, but just the idea that, you know, Learning has to do with, right, the people who become great pipers or the people who, um, you know, don't necessarily become great but who make great strides in their piping are people who are willing to put in the time without allowing any distractions and to work towards figuring out things on their own. Um, and the whole world, I think, is moving in that direction a little bit. You know, um, even, even math even math class, you know, so much of it is self-learning, which is, in my opinion, the way it should be, and it's the way that I've learned the things that I've learned the best, is not so much in a one-on-one -on -one lesson, but in a situation where I have to figure things out. So um, I think that is an awesome question. Thank you very much uh, for chatting that in there. Uh, by the way, this is so freaking fun. Thank you so much for tuning in and, uh, and chatting. This is really, really good stuff. I'm really enjoying myself. Um, and that is true, John. A lot of people who tune in to our morning class, um, you know, will find that working sort of in a group, um, in a supportive group, we're a very supportive crew there, it's better than a one-on-one -on -one lesson. <laughs> and uh, I, don't want to, I don't want it to be too much of a sales pitch, but um, it's better and it is way, way less money. Um, Okay, Ashlyn says, what is the minimum time I can practice every week? I say minimum because I have three kids. Amazing question. Uh, I have one kid, but I also have a business um, and a family, and I want to play golf, and I want to watch House of Cards, so I'm totally with you, right? Like, I have stuff, you know, and I think this is just basically how much should I practice as an adult person with responsibilities? Um. So my answer to that question is um, do what you can 
okay? And it's much better, it would be much better to practice 15 minutes every day than it would be to practice three hours once a week, right? So um, in real life, we don't have a lot of time. So I would recommend, you know, uh, trying to do a little bit every single day. Uh, here's a couple more thoughts on that. One of the problems that we have as adults when it comes to learning things, um, and, you know, I experience this every day, uh, more, you know, I'm less often taking lessons as I am, you know, uh, practicing and trying to get recordings in and listening to myself. But the biggest problems we have as adults is not the amount of time that we have. I believe this very strongly. It's not the amount of time that we have. It's the fact that we are not focusing during the time that we have. So um, when is the last time you sat down? And, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure for the most part I'm right here, which is when is the last time any of us sat down to work on our piping or anything else where all of the Facebook was turned off, the computer was out of reach, the TV was off, the door was shut, the phone was not even in the room with us so that we could actually sit down and focus on a specific task like memorizing a tune or working on our technique. That's the number one thing, right? So if you could find 20 minutes a day, every day, with zero distraction, you'd be amazed how much better you got and how fast you got there.